tired today, hump day. But the rounds, you had to go ahead and just join the seniors, bro. Fit right in there. My wife staring at the screen like, like squinting at the screen. I said, you got to go ahead and just join them seniors. Re quit that resisting already. <laughs> I was going to actually do this a little bit different tonight, but I, <clears throat> I'm going to wait. We're going to do what I normally go do, switch some things up. But I have some thoughts tonight, uh, a little bit different in the end of it, but we had to do the the, um, the Bible study tonight. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the gardening principle. And then next week we'll kind of tie everything up with a message that I'm going to turn into a Bible study. I did this message probably over 10 years ago. Um, but the message is called Pass the Salt. And with that message, I'm going to tie all the things we've talked about in that message, but we're going to do it in a Bible study form. So we'll kind of tie it up. And then later down the road, Brother Corner, once you come back to you some other stuff, we will. But I feel like we've got to adjust to what I want to teach, and I want to make sure everybody stays engaged. So we're going to try to, uh, to kind of tie it up a little bit tonight, and then next week we'll finish it up. Amen? So, um, because I threw myself off here, so we're going to go ahead and read First uh, Corinthians 13. <clears throat> I have some more scriptures on the end there. First Corinthians chapter 13, though I, and of course chapter 12, verse 31 says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of man and of angels, and have not charity, I become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I had give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, Charity violence not itself is not puffed up. Do not behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. And hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but that... But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I even as I also am known. And now by the faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Praise the Lord. I don't know what your week's been like, but it's been nonstop all week. And I'm going to tell you my favorite time of the year is December the 26th. That's when all this mess is over. I wait 364 more days so it all gets back again. But I'm telling you because it does the nonstop. Uh, and I also, I want to ask you a question, Brother Ward. Do you ever have hair? Okay, I was wondering. I went back looking at his Facebook page, all the pictures, and there ain't one picture where he's got a shred of hair anywhere. I was looking through his pictures and he's in the military. Of course, I didn't expect it in the military, but any pictures he's got on there, I just want to ask you now if you ever really had hair. So it's been over a decade. Well, you got pictures? <laughs> Sharply, you had to see him in uniform, man. He looks really sharp. He's very, very sharp. So we're going to talk a little bit about the gardening principle. <clears throat> and basically, it, it talks about, it means that uh, we're going to talk about is our relationships need cultivation. Every relationship. Friendship is like money, it's easier made than kept. Amen? Uh, the question we must ask ourselves, do I occasionally or do I continually cultivate my relationships? Um, some people, and we'll go through several categories of what those relationships are, some people come into our lives for a reason. 
or for, uh, for a reason and for a season. Many relationships are very short and occur for specific reasons. Sometimes they come and, and they go away forever. Other times they are ongoing but, not, but intermediate. Uh, these relationships would need only brief and periodic cultivation. It would be a relationship, a little bit of example of uh, having a relationship that you might want to cultivate with your doctor. Uh, you don't see your doctor all the time. Um, you don't see him every day, but it's a relationship that you definitely want to cultivate and grow, especially if you ever need to have surgery. You want to make sure you haven't made that doctor mad and you have a good relationship before you go under the knife. Amen? So it's not something you have to do every day, but when you see your doctor, be nice to him just in case. Amen? So work on developing relationship. But those relationships are short-term, intermediate, not constant all the time. Need a little bit of cultivation. Amen? Some people come into our lives for a season. And that's the second type of relationship that lasts for a period of time. Um, these relationships may last only a few weeks or as long as a few years. Um, many times they are related to our current circumstances or situations, but just because they are temporary doesn't mean they are not important. Uh, the cultivation of the relationship should just match the season. My wife and I, over the last, I would have to say, um, the last five moves in five states we lived in, we have been in the people's lives and have been in ours for a season. It's been a season. We have spent time and cultivated. But I will tell you that everywhere we've been, in each state that we have lived, we go back and look at those relationships that we have cultivated and we cherish very much. They mean a lot to us. And they're very specific. What I noticed that as we moved, as we began to move quite a bit, in my, a lot of it due to my work career, um, that, um, I would, that I had not as many relationships, but they're very important relationships, right? They were very, very close and I found a few people that we got very very close to and then when we got involved we just kind of tried and when uh, they involved in the ministry or help them we just tried to add value to people's lives um, we lived in now the last over the last uh, I think 20 years may almost 20 years because we were in Lynchburg for 17 years but after that for the next uh, about 17 we moved around five different states so those relationships are ones of examples where there comes for a period of time people come into your life they stay a while and they leave sometimes like I said a few weeks up to a few years or more our average stay has been about five to six years in most places um, it just seems that way it happens um, for us but those relationships are very important to cultivate also and, and even on you know with with media nowadays it's even easier to continue those relationships I have a friend of mine that I developed a relationship in uh, South Carolina well now we're seven years removed from there and we still are contacting Facebook, text, you know, we're just kind of contact. If he happens to be in the area, he'll call me. Those are the kind of relationships that I, I, cher I cherish them very much because I count them as a friend uh, to me. So some people come into our lives for a lifetime, amen? Uh, that's a third kind of relationship. It's ongoing and it's permanent. Uh, these are few and very special. Um, and we want to keep them healthy and encourage them to grow. We must give them continual cultivation for lifelong uh, friendships and relationships. Otherwise, they're likely to shrivel and die. Our closest friendships are most valuable to us. Uh, and like anything of value, they cost us something. We can't neglect them and expect them to thrive. Amen? Um, there, are very, there are very few really close relationships. When you find one, you need to protect it. Amen? I, I have found that um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of acquaintances, a lot of, I could say friends, but they're very, very close people. You've heard me talk about it before a little bit. Those really, really close ones, they don't come really easy, do they? It takes a time, and sometimes it takes a lifetime to develop those relationships. Sometimes not so much, but when you have those kind, it's very, very important that you cultivate those. And, and, and really, at all, in all levels, whether it be young or older, 
cultivate and someday you'll you might need that right you might need to to lean on them and go to them you want to be able to have that relationship with somebody you can always talk to and be a friend to but those those relationships take time and they it takes you got to continue to cultivate them the most important relationship and before i go on i just want to prerequisite my next few minutes i am not a marriage counselor okay so just so you know you'll know why after i get through reading some of the stuff i'm going to read you uh, but so just go to Brother Corner if you have any problems afterwards. Uh, please see Brother Corner, okay? Uh, because the marriage relationship is the one of the most um, uh, important relationships you could ever have. It's just one with your spouse, amen? And so we'll talk a little bit about that because it really, it really is a good example of what we're talking about. Um, men and women are really different. Anybody knows that? <laughs> it's not always easy to cultivate real good relationship. We're just so different, Amen. And the following will explain differences between the genders. So here you go. A man will pay $2 for a $1 item he wants. A woman will pay $1 for a $2 item that she doesn't want. And it was on sale. <laughs> and I got quite a few of these, by the way. <clears throat> a woman worries about the future until she gets a husband. A man never worries about the future until he gets a wife. <laughs> Can I hear amen from the brother? Guys, scared, scared, scared. Uh, all right. <laughs> brother, what you laughing at, Brother Reynolds? Man, I'm hitting home at it. Preach, say, preach it, Brother Allen, preach it. Uh, all right. <laughs> A successful man is, who, is one who makes more money than his wife can spend. A successful woman is one who can find such a man. <laughs> To be happy with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and try not to understand her at all. (laughs) Married men live longer than single men, but married men are a lot more willing to die. say that again? That's a good, I'll say that again. <clears throat> so married men live longer, but married men are a lot more willing to die. <laughs> I knew when I started on this, you guys are going to go home and I, you might get some calls about a fight. <laughs> Any married man should forget his mistakes. There's no use two people remembering the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. You didn't get that. Any married man should forget his mistakes. There's no use in two people remembering the same thing. All right, man. So I got three more left. So I've got to survive it. Let's see. A woman marries a man expecting he will change, but he doesn't. A man marries a woman expecting that she won't change, and she does. <laughs> you guys, want to, man? If you want a copy of this after we get done, we'll. You know, for $5 a page, I will give you a copy of this. <clears throat> a woman has the last word in any argument. So here, amen? Anything a man says after that is the beginning of a new argument. <laughs> Can I hear amen, ladies? Amen. All right. <laughs> last one. There are two times a man doesn't understand a woman. Before marriage and after. 
There we go. So got you laughing a little bit tonight. Amen. Um, so Socrates once said, by all means marry. If you get a good wife, you'll become happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> Selecting the right man or woman to marry is important, but it's only part of the process of developing a good marriage. Before we marry, the focus is on the future, your future mate. When we marry, it's on ourselves. After we marry, it's on ourselves. It's amazing how that works. Dating brings out the best. Marriage brings out the rest. Amen? Um, <clears throat> marriage, like any long-term relationship, requires us to wade through a few things that are difficult, work for many things that are needed, wait on some things that take time, watch out for those things that can be harmful, and wave goodbye to personal things that are selfish. Amen. These are all aspects of cultivation. Of course, marriage partners who don't intentionally cultivate these close relationships will drift apart. And it's very common. I've seen it over the years. I've got to tell you, I've seen it. I see it more and more as the years go along. It's not unusual to, you know, people that have been married five years, the only thing they can go back and remember is their wedding day. Nothing been developed. Five years, ten years. As a matter of fact, the rate of people that get divorced after 20 years has grown dramatically over the years. Astronomically. You know why? It's because when they're younger, they've been working all those years, putting everything into their children. And not cultivating their relationships, right? That most important relationship in their life, they have not cultivated it. And so what happens once the kids are grown and gone, they have nothing. They're gone. They, haven't, they don't have a relationship. It's not there anymore because they didn't do it. I will tell you, when our kids were younger and teenagers, my, my wife and I, I feel like we have a great marriage and a great relationship. But I will tell you, it wasn't until probably 15 years in our marriage just that when we were going through a trial, a trial situation, a situation, we let those situations get between us and our children, all those things. We let all this stuff get between us. And one day I said, you know, honey, I said, if we don't start changing right now, once these kids are up and grown, we won't have anything. We won't have anything. And we spent the last 20 years really cultivating our relationship, right? But it takes time. It takes effort. And that's in every single relationship that we go through. Amen? Every single relationship. Um, you know, that this saying here that says some marriage be made in heaven, but their maintenance has to be done here on earth. Amen? Isn't that true? So there's ways to keep cultivating a good report relationship. And so I'm not talking about marriage in general, but everything, important relationships. There's ways to cultivate it. Um, what does it mean to cultivate a relationship? Whether it's a spouse or a parent or a friend, you can start to cultivate a healthy, uh, flowing relationship by focusing on the following six things. Commitment. Commitment. To me, it's the number one ingredient to a healthy relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship. It's commitment. Um, I always heard this, um, this statement, I hear this statement a lot over the years. I love them, but I love them. And I, I had a guy that one time that he loved them, and it was every time he had a new girlfriend, he'd say, I love them. And I said, and I said man, you've been like six girls. I said, you don't love them, you lust them. He said, what do you mean? I said, because you don't love them because you're not committed. Because I'm going to tell you the definition of love. Love is a result of kept promises. So think about that statement. It's a result of kept promises. So when I say I love her more now than I did when we were married, how can I say that? Because all the years of the kept promises and the trials and the things we've been to, but yet the commitment is still there. That result of love, that's what love is. It's a result of kept promises over a lifetime, right? That's the reason why when we live for Jesus today 
and we looked at it for 10 and 20 and 30 years, I can look back and without blink and tell you that I love him more today than I did when I hit this altar. Amen? It's because he has proven to be committed and faithful. Amen? And that is because we cultivated, we have cultivated relationship. That's really all God wants us to do. Cultivate the relationship. Um, but I hear that a lot. And I just, I, I use that, I've been using that term for years with young people, that love is a result of kept promises. And so, you know, these young people nowadays, I mean, they're 25 years old and 30, and they're on the third marriage or the third dating. Some I've married twice and third one. I mean, man, they just go through them like, you know, pretzels. I, I, you know, it's crazy. <clears throat> That's the only thing I think of at that moment is pretzels. I heard sit down and snicker back there. Uh, <clears throat> there's nothing more important in a marriage than a determination that it shall persist. Deep commitment to the relationship is one of the greatest assets a married couple can have. But it also is a characteristic of all deep relationships. It's the commitment. Amen? It's the commitment. Now, again, I can't say that because the number one area is the commitment. No matter right or wrong, good or bad, my commitment is to her. And you better not mess with her. Because I am committed to her, right? And she's committed to me. That's what brings that deep relationship with your spouse and with your, um, with your spouse and with your French friends, um, all those relationships are because of commitment. Amen? And it will grow and grow and grow over the years with more and more commitment. The second one is communication. <clears throat> A relationship cannot form without communication. It is impossible to learn anything important about anyone until we get him or her to disagree with us. Yeah? Some of you guys say, man, I have a great relationship with my wife. We disagree all the time. I'm just kidding. It is only a contradiction that that character is disclosed, right? I'm sorry, only a contradiction that a character is disclosed. So only when you have problems or disagree is your character disclosed. And it is sustained with intentional communication. So remember we talked about the conflicts, resolution, and talking about, you know, about his. So those, those are the times that you get to work through the problems, right? So you don't really know how you feel with the relationship, well, it's your wife, your friend, until you have a problem. You really don't know, right? Is everything's all rosy? You don't know. Not really. It it's only comes out in times of trial and situations, right? Not in a good time. Nobody, I'll tell you this, you never grow in the season of good. You know how you say all seasons, right? There's all seasons, or the time to die, time to all those things. You never grow during those times. You just sustain during those times. The times you grow, I mean, if you think back in your life, you think about this. The times you have grown in your life, what was going on in your life? What'd you learn the most? When things were bad or when things were good? You always learn more in the bad times. You always learn more through the trial. If you go through the trial, the old term praying through, you know what we want to do? Pray out. God, get me out of this situation. Right? The old timer says, pray through. Get to the altar. And pray through the situation, not out. Because if you pray out, you'll never build what God wants you to have. So we look at the, the trials as a negative. It's a positive. God is building us character and things in our life for us to use later down. Relationships, everything. He's building all those things in us through those trials. <clears throat> so communication is important. And it's important, even more important when you disagree. Friendship. Samuel Johnson once said, if a man does not make a new acquaintance as he advances through life, he will soon find himself left alone. A man should keep his friendships in constant repair. Always in constant repair. And, and you know what? Do yourself a favor early on in life. 
if you haven't done it now, just, just try to always keep relationships in repair. Always be the better person. Try to be the better person. Amen? Try to be the better person. God, God really blesses that. <clears throat> memories. Creating positive memories are a great source of connection and bonding for people. Have you ever uh, reconnected with someone that you haven't seen for years? And the first thing you do is start talking about some of the great memories you had together. We moved in. We've been over here, what, six, seven months? I don't know, a few months in the, in, well, here, we got a, somebody got a hold of Facebook. His name was Joel Soto. We went to church with in Charleston. He said, hey, man, what are you doing? He, he texted me or he sent me a friend request. I can't remember what it was. But, and I've watched him. He's watched me over the years. It's been about seven, eight years now. I said, oh, man, we're living here in Texas. He says, oh, yeah, we're at. I told him. He says, uh, hey, man, we live about 10 minutes from your house. I said, no way. Really? So we got together, had breakfast uh, out here one, uh, one Saturday, hooked back up. I met his wife and hadn't met her before and met his wife and stuff. Had a really great time. We reconnected. And the first thing we started talking about was the stuff that we did in South Carolina. And I'm telling you, man, I laughed. I, I was like, man, I never laughed so much since uh, when I've been in South Carolina. He says, you know, me too. And I had a friend named Larry, and he talked talking about our relationship. And we took him out on a golf course, took Joel Soda out on a golf course one time. And he said, I've never seen two guys carrying all that much on a golf course. We never really did cared how good we did on the golf course. It was just all about having fun. But he remembers that, and we start talking about that and just sharing those times. But memories are important to create. And I told my wife, I said, grandparents, I think it's important to create memories. Been parents also, create memories. It's funny, my kids during the holidays, all the stuff, right? You, you think that there'll be stuff that they remember. Kids don't remember that stuff. They don't remember what Christmas, they got this, that most of the time. Let me tell you what they remember. One year, my wife was fixing Thanksgiving uh, dinner, and I thought, you know what? We should get out of the house, take, get, take kids out and go do something for... Uh, you know, something else. So I took, got the kids in the car. We took them to a homeless shelter that was wrapping canned goods for the homeless. And they were doing baskets to deliver to people and stuff like that. To this day, my kids remember that Thanksgiving. They talk about that one more than any other Thanksgiving. Isn't it amazing how that works? We think it's all about presents and all about Santa and all about... We think, not really. It's important to create a... a, a, a it says memories, but an important memory. Things that were impact, impactful. Those things are very important because your kids and your friends always be able to go back though. It's almost like a, a place they can go back. Almost like a Bethel. They go back to a place that just many remembrance. It's good times. It's, it feels good to them. Growth. <clears throat> Benjamin Franklin said, promise may get friends, but it's performance that keeps them. When you begin any friendship or relationship, it begins with promise. But you have to find ways to keep it fresh and strong so that it will continue to have potential and not just good memories. One way to do that is to grow together. To grow together. Amen. Spoiling each other. Now, I will tell you this. Um, can, um, well, before I move on. If my, I can tell my wife that I love her, okay? But if I don't buy her something every once in a while or stop by Starbucks when she doesn't expect it, she might not start believing me, okay? So I might say it all you want to, okay? But sometimes you've got to put up a little bit, right? And I, I'm, I'm going to pick on her, but I'm not going to embarrass her either, but... She's having a real bad day one day. And I give Starbucks, a, I know I work for Starbucks, but I give them a hard time, I'm telling you. She asked me one year we were traveling, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd shared a story, we're in West Virginia. And she said, honey, is there a Starbucks here? We're in West Virginia where we're going? This is before I started working for Starbucks. I said, there ain't nobody stupid enough to pay $5 for a cup of coffee and stand in line 20 minutes to wait for it. <laughs> and she said, you know, God's going to get you back someday for all that. Well, what happens? 
I spent, I'm telling you what, man, about 25% of my pay, I told them I'd get another job to pay for all the Starbucks stuff. I still buy, I buy more Starbucks working for them than I ever did before I started working for them. But I remember I sliding, uh, I went home one day, and I said, I'm going to stop by and get my wife a mocha. I walked in the door, it hadn't been too long ago. She just burst out crying, oh, is that such a bad day? I said, yeah, boy, you got it. Man, I hit one, I got one. It only cost me $6. It was awesome, right? <laughs> and um, so sometimes it's spoil each other. Friendships, relationships, don't be afraid to, to spoil each other a little bit, amen? And let your friends and family know how much you care and how much you love them. Um, don't live a life of regrets. Don't live a life of just, man, I wish I would have done it. I will tell you, I, uh, yes, sir, brother. I did some collard greens one day, and my wife came in, and she said, Is that collard greens I smell? How did you know? How did you know? And I said, I'm thinking, man. I said, all right, I'm going to have to do that more often. <laughs> you should have told it was a word of knowledge. God just gave me a word, sis. <laughs> you should have said, God talks to me. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Take advantage of those situations, brother. <laughs> but don't live a life of regrets. And I, and I will tell you a personal story. I remember uh, two times in my life, I can remember twice. One was when my uh, first pastor died, Brother J.C. Cole. And uh, when they passed away, I mean, his funeral was lined up for several miles long. That's how long it was. People all over the country came. And I remember they had an honor guard for 24 hours. They would run around his casket, 24 hours, and volunteer. We all volunteered to take time to stand around his casket for uh, the couple days that he was on viewing. And I'll never remember standing there and watching people that I knew that there was problems. They had problems with the pastor, right? And they never got it right. And I stood there for a couple days. I was watching some people just weep and cry. And I thought, Lord, as a young man, I was only, you know, 16 years old, 17 maybe, and I thought, Lord, I don't want to ever be like that. I want to make sure that if I love somebody, tell them you love them. Amen. If you appreciate them, tell them you appreciate them. Amen. Don't be afraid to do that. And I don't know why people sometimes have a hard time with their upbringing, background. Or, you know, I know that my dad never, I don't remember my dad ever telling me he loved me. But you know what? I always made myself, I want to be different. I wanted to make sure my kids got tired of hearing it. Uh, but, you know, it changes. So, and then and the second time was <clears throat> my sister was, I was standing in Lynchburg Church and right before one and I got married. And uh, I got a phone call that my whole family was in a car accident on the way to church. They had church the same time we did. I was in Virginia. This is in West Virginia. My sister was instantly killed in that car accident at 15 years old. My mom was in a hospital for three months. My father was in a hospital and my brother was in a hospital. So I got that phone call. The thing that to this day that I'm glad I did, when I actually moved, I kind of, it was just a couple months before that, two or three months before that, I actually moved down to Lynchburg. Went home, got my stuff, and I remember seeing my sister walking across the yard. I was loading up my car and ready to leave. And I said, sis, I love you, and I will see you later. And those are the last words I ever said to her. Thank God I said them. Really? Amen. Thank God I said them. Amen? It's important. It's important not to have a little life. If I had a fight or said something bad, I would remember that my whole life. You know, to try to... Build, we need to try to build those relationships that we don't have regrets over. We can walk away and feel really good about it. Amen? <laughs> Several words that can help you in relationships. It helps me if I remember to do them. I'm sorry. 
Don't forget that one. And then my wife's really mad. She said, I know you're sorry. Now apologize. The second one is, I apologize. <laughs> Third one, which gets, you know, really good. Please forgive me. And actually, I added a couple of my own. Um, I love you. I didn't have that one, but I love you. You, this is a tough one. You were right. Even if she wasn't. <laughs> That's a hard one for it to say, right? You were right. I was wrong. You were right. I agree. So you know what, how hard sometimes that to do? The hardest relationship I think that's hard to do is in a marriage. I think that's the hardest. I think, I think it's sometimes easier for us to tell a friend, hey, man, I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. Than it is to our own spouse sometimes. But why that is? Just kind of throw it out there. Sometimes it happens. Amen? But I will tell you that as we've grown, especially the last 20 years, we've done more and more and more of that. You know you're right. I was wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> everyone, you know what? I heard something one time. It wasn't too long ago. Said, somebody said, everyone needs validation. Did you know that? Everyone needs to be validated. So what's that mean? I think it means just putting our arm around and saying, you know what? You're going to be okay. You're awesome. Things will be great. Appreciate you so much. It's validation, man. Um, and, I, and I think it's important. When we look at relationships, we only have one question to ask ourselves. What would Jesus do? WWJD. I, I heard that term over the years, right? WWJD. And I've heard that term over the years. And, uh, but I, I thought it really kind of hit home. What would Jesus do? And I started using that term in my head when things would go on. I thought, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus react to that relationship? How, how would he do it? And so the Lord really the last couple of days, I've had this scripture in my mind for years. And I don't know that I've even ever preached about this. Maybe I have been a long time ago. But I kind of want to bring it up at the end of the service and kind of share some things about you about what Jesus thinks about relationships, okay? Because I think sometimes when we think about the Lord, we spend a lot of time, I think, thinking about his judgment. And thinking about, there's, you know, some people picture as God as a man up there, a gray beard with a baseball bat waiting for us to try to make a mistake, right? And he's going to kill us, right? You're going to go die, go straight to hell, do not pass go, do not collect $200, right? I don't think that's all that God is like at all. I really don't. But if you think about all the years and years and years you've been in church, especially been a long time, you've heard different seasons, right, where people come and preach hellfire and brimstone and not necessarily the love of God. Sometimes people go the other way and preach all the love and no judgment. But there's a balance. But I believe God's character is a character of love and a character that he loves his people. And he, what does God want more than anything else? What do you think God wants from us more than anything else in this world? to love one another? Commitment? Relationship. He desires more than anything else in the world a relationship. Number one, absolutely, absolutely, I will, I will debate anybody on this. He wants a relationship. And let me to prove to you by a couple of scriptures. Just a couple. Not a long time, and I'll be done a little early tonight, probably. Um, no commitment there. No promises. No relationship. Just, it's a maybe. Right? So, um, but it's to have a relationship. So I want to take you to the first scripture that I'm going to share with you tonight. And there's more, but these two kind of hit home with me over the years. One is with Philip. One is with Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Amen. In John 14 and 8. 
On the night, Jesus said, Have I been such a long time with you, Philip? And yet thou not, does not know me? Philip, he that has seen the Father, Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou, show us the Father. Now, a lot of people really beat up Philip for, that, for what he did, right? And sometimes the, sometimes the Lord would, would portray the message that I've heard that God was mad at Philip or chastising Philip. I really don't think that's what the Lord was doing. I think the Lord sat there with Philip, and I think he was thinking, Philip, have we eaten together? Have we done miracles? Signs and wonders? The Bible says that he did signs and wonders among his, his uh, followers that the book couldn't even contain what he did with, his, with the people that followed him. Where you, you don't think they sat around a campfire at night talking about the oneness of God? You think they don't t- sit and talk about the miracles, right, breaking bread and eating? So when Philip would say that, I think maybe Jesus was a little hurt. Remember, he came down and he experienced everything we experienced. So how did he, how did he feel hurt? How did he feel disappointment? Philip, have I been such a long time with you? You don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that scripture always in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, it wasn't that you were mad at Philip. Maybe it just felt what a little hurt. Maybe something we feel like, right? The Lord felt it. And then another one in the scripture is very, very powerful. And I love this. Uh, and, I was, and, and really, I almost got way intense overboard tonight when I went home because I had a short amount of time. This, this, this Lord was just talking about the scripture. And I was running home a lot. My computer froze up. I couldn't get I was like, you got to run. And I said, right. <laughs> so I was panicking, right? And um, so I want to share this. I want to share these couple of scriptures. And then we'll go and talk about it for a minute. And then I'll dismiss you. Uh, Mark chapter 14 and 72 says, um, 14, 14 and 72 in Mark says, And the second time the cock crew, crew. And Peter called to mind the words of Jesus unto him. Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought of thereon, he wept. Going in one whole chapter and seven verses later. Okay. <clears throat> They had crucified the Lord, okay? It's gone. Peter was bitter. Matter of fact, in John's version, Peter says, I go fishing. I'm going fishing. Why? Because you always go back to what's familiar when things go bad. That's what he knew. I'm going fishing. What did the rest of the disciples say? The one that were there. We're going with you. Right? John went too. But there's another story there in John, but I want to get off track. There's another story that John uh, correlates for his, the way he looked at it. But in the meantime, Mary visits the tomb, an angel, an angel comes and meets Mary at the tomb, right? She sees an angel. And this is, this is such a powerful statement. The angel tells them, listen to this statement, but go your way and tell his disciples and Peter. God always knows where we're at. And Peter, that, be, that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him as he said unto you. Now, you go down a few more verses, down to 14, and it says, Afterward he appeared unto the leaven, and they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. So he chastised them a little bit, amen? And because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen, 
And he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And then in, uh, in John chapter 20, verse 26, after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. <clears throat> then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them. Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Hither thy finger, and behold my hand, which hither thy hand, and thrust into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered to him, My Lord and my God. <clears throat> the Lord... So here, get the, see if you can get the picture with me for just a minute. Here, here's Peter, one of the greatest men of Pentecost. Amen? Preach the, preach the um, Acts 2.38. We're always known for that. But there's a short time right before that. And here's a man who spent three and a half years with the Creator. Okay? He impartated everything that he had into Peter in those three and a half years. And yet, when the crunch time came, he, was, he still failed he still failed him. But that's not the, really the end of the story, man. The most powerful thing, when, they, when, they, when the angel came to visit the, tel, uh, the, the tomb, and Jesus' body wasn't there, and he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? You think that didn't get back? You know where Peter was at? He was out fishing. The message went back, Peter, the Lord wants to meet you. Think about that. Isn't that powerful that God said, and Peter, I know where you're at. And no matter what happens, I still have a plan for you. I still know, I still have the plan for your life. And, and guess what? I know exactly where you are all the time, Peter. Powerful. When you talk about relationships, the Lord is more uh, concerned with our relationship than just about any other thing. Because why? Because if you have the relationship and you are able to um, get close to God, you don't have to worry about a lot of things. And what I mean by that, we don't have to change people. I'm not going to get out of line or anything here, but we don't have to help God change people. All we got to do is encourage them to have a relationship. And then we demonstrate how the Lord treats us. Amen? We demonstrate it to the people that we have relationships with, and they get to see God through our, how we approach the relationship. Amen? And they get to see him because we're his hands, we're his feet, we are the conveyor of God. If they're going to see it, they're going to see it through us. They're going to see it through us. And so over the years, it just has, it has grieved me to see that we use God too much as a battle axe versus teaching people to have the relationship, to have the relationship. And if we will, if we will follow how Jesus does that WWJD thing, how we develop relationships, and how what would Jesus do? This is a phenomenal demonstration of how Jesus reacted. Right? I know he was God, but you don't think he felt a little bit disappointed that Peter, the greatest man the world's ever known? Apostle, right? That Peter would deny him? I just think it's powerful the way the Lord looked at it. Peter felt he was a failure. God says, I knew you were going to fail. That's not the problem. I want, you to, I want the relationship, Peter. I want the relationship. And then there was one other scripture I noted, and it was when they, um, it was when they, they got him to come to Jesus, or Judas had sold Jesus. And when he had, they approached, he approached Judas and he says, how did he say? He said um, unto him, friend, where art thou come? My friend. So again, I want to ask you tonight. What do you think, if the Lord went out of his way to demonstrate compassion on relationships and compassion for the people he was around, he demonstrated. We don't talk enough about that. We talk about God way up here, but he, he, he personally demonstrated 
how to have a relationship, how to forgive, how to, you know, because he was ultimately, you know, disgraced, and ultimately he was, by his own, but people that were closest to him, he was deceived. You know, he was sold into, sold for 20 pieces of silver. So I just encourage you, and I'm done, but I want to encourage you that as you walk through, and we're talking about relationships and winning with people, amen, and how we do that. Let's look at what Jesus would do. Look at his relationship, how he is to us, right? Amen. And if we can do that, a lot of stuff that I'm teaching you will start to become kind of uh, second nature and kind of commonplace to you. Amen. Because we just, you know what? The Lord, more than we do, the Lord let things kind of roll off his back. We'd have crucified Peter. We'd have ostracized him from the church. Can't come back here. Man, you denied God. You denied once to God. Lord, hey, tell me. Meet me over here. I've got some things I want to tell you. And what did he do a couple a little light later? Preach the greatest message the world will ever know. Amen? So I encourage you, think about your relationships, how we can get better. And then next week, I'm going to preach, preach, I'm going to teach a message, because I feel like I, I teach it will be more effective for you. But I'm going to teach a message called Pass the Salt. It's called Pass the Salt. Trying to tie everything together about relationships. And do it. Amen? Let's all stand. God bless you. Come on up. I wanted to say something as he was talking about relationships. There's probably nothing harder than when somebody cuts you off or doesn't want to be your friend anymore. And um, I was pastoring down in, uh, we were in Haltom City at the time where the church was located. And a man called me about, I think it was about five in the morning on the phone in great distress. And he asked me, he said, can you meet me at the church? I need to talk to somebody. And um, I said, uh, yeah, I'll meet you. I'll meet you there. And, and uh, I don't know, something had me call uh, the police department about meeting this guy. I felt a little uneasy. And um, they said, what, what is his name? And I gave his name, and they said, yeah, we know him, and we want you to be careful. He's known for getting violent. But I could hear the distress in his voice, and luckily we had a visiting evangelist staying with us that was kind of a big guy. And I said, I said, um, I said, uh, will you go with me down there? I said, you don't have to go in the building or anything, but just kind of be down there. And, and the police told me, said, we'll drive by the building if you're going to meet him and just make sure everything's okay. I said, okay. And I went down there, and you know, sometimes I guess my size, I can intimidate people, but <laughs> but this guy was taller than Brother Allen, bigger than Brother Allen. He's standing out in the parking lot, and his shirt is off. And uh, he's hot. And he's agitated. And I go up to him and just try to introduce myself to him and tell him I'm the one you talk to on the phone. And what do you need to talk about? I said, would you like to go in the building? No, I don't want to go in the building. I can't go in the building. I said, okay, we can, we can just talk out here if you like. And uh, he began to talk to me. He said, I, I can't get it off of mine. This was in the, uh, in the uh, mid-90s, mid about 97, 97, 98. He said, uh, my brother, he said, it's the relationship with my brother. And I said, well, what's going on? He said, well... He said, there's nothing I can do about it. I said, well, well, tell me the story. What are you talking about? And he said, well, he said, uh, my brother was going off to war in Vietnam. 
He said, and we got in a big argument. He said, and uh, I told him, I said, I, I hate you and I hope you get killed over there. He said, and I said it out of anger. I really didn't mean it. He said, but my brother went over there and as soon as he got off, it was like the first engagement. My brother was killed. I never got to apologize. I never got to tell him I was sorry. I never got to mend that relationship. And the reason I'm telling you that story is because 20, 30 years later, this man's life, he can't get that out of his mind. He's still tormented by a broken relationship. It's not worth it. Amen. Now, God, I tried to assure him his brother would not want him to be tormented the rest of his life. His brother knew that he mostly it was heated words. And I tried to convince him, brother. I tried. I tried to, but it was set in his mind that uh, he said the wrong thing and did the wrong thing, and he could not accept, you know, God's forgiveness. I prayed with him. He felt be a little better when he left and was trying to get him to come back and tried to work with him. But just that torment, all about a relationship. Amen. It's okay to say, I'm sorry. Or I was wrong. Or if you've, you know, hurt somebody, it's, it's all right to make those relationships because, you know what, they're not going to be with us forever. So if you've got a mom and a dad, and maybe they didn't raise you right, but you love them. You love them anyway. And if you, you tell them if you got a chance to, you just tell them. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Praise God. I feel God's presence that maybe there's just some relationships we need to just reach out to and make them, or try, and knowing that we tried makes all the difference in the world. Praise God. Will you just love the Lord with me right now? Let's reach out to him. Lord, thank you for dealing with our hearts tonight. Thank you for this message we've heard, God, and especially this time of year, Lord, where families get together and we come together, Lord. May there be no schisms. May there be, God, relationships that can be mended, O oh Lord, and forgiveness found, O oh God, with one another, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you, God, for what we feel tonight, your conviction, Lord, your Holy Spirit, Father. Touch us. Touch those relationships with our children our, or with our parents, Lord, or with our siblings, O oh God, or with our friends, O oh God, or, or with pastors or church relationships, God. Whatever it is, Lord, you're able to touch it. You're able to mend it and help us to do our part in reaching out so that we're not tormented in our minds, Lord. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for that, Brother Allen, tonight. God bless you.